It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk. Starts the morning on a high note. <laughs> Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show, last one of the year. And my God, so much drama, so many... um, so many random moments in that game. I almost want to laugh, but um, we weren't great. Uh, Liverpool beating Leicester City 2-1 at Anfield. I thought it'd be a cru- cruise control for the Reds, given where Leicester are and how they're performing and how they performed against Newcastle. But, you know, it took a Leicester player to dig us out of a dark hole there. And joining me on this podcast, I have two excellent guests. So without further ado, let me introduce them to you. First up, it's Dave Horrocks. Dave, welcome back. Hey there, Nina. Haven't spoken to you for a little while, so great to get back on. And uh, I, I'm happy to be discussing the win as well, because it didn't feel like that for a lot of tonight. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's great to have you on. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll laugh at some of the things there. And joining Dave, it's it's not a tad predictable, but we've got the host on this show. Welcome to Diva. Hey, Nen, how are you? Awesome, awesome. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to both of your insight onto this game and the tactical breakdown. Right, let me just... I thought we'd have a caller, but I don't think he's online yet. So, you know what, let's just crack on, shall we? If anyone wants to call in, guys, we're live on Discord. Drop us a message, we'll get you on. Right. So, Tadiva, I'm going to come to you. What did you make of that? I mean, um, just your summary of it, because um, I'm just relieved now. I think that's where I'm at, just relieved. Yeah, it's one of those where you're just happy the three points are in the bag. 
um, and hope that the performance gets sorted out soon because if we play like that against um, other teams, for example, Brentford, although I think Ivan Tony got injured in, in their game, but if you play a, a, a better coached, better disciplined team, a more clinical team, we probably at best draw that game and probably go and lose it. So relieved that we got the three points. Um, in terms of the game itself, I think the biggest thing for me, obviously, the midfield. I, I, for me personally, I don't understand playing Henderson and Elliot in the same midfield because both don't have their 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 defensive acumen isn't as high as some of the other players, which is always a concern. And then when they're both on the pitch, you're kind of, you know asking Tiago to do an awful lot of work and we need Tiago for later on in the season and he he had to do a lot uh, way too much in this game than than was needed but yeah from the an attacking standpoint promising which is i guess similar to what we said against Villa very promising um a lot of missed chances but at least they're getting the chances the good thing is that whilst they're still ironing out the kinks, whilst they're still getting the finishing sorted and a bit of the, you know, movement and understanding between Salah and Nunes, at least we're still getting three points. Yeah. That's what allows us to them, allows us and allows Nunes uh, to grow into this role is as long as we're still getting the three points and ticking things over, it gives him more time to get, you know, he, the finishing will come. You just hope it doesn't cost you three points. And so far it hasn't, which which is a positive. And then obviously the big positive for me in this game was Trent's defensive side of things. Um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And for all the times that we criticize him and other people criticize him when he when his defensive side goes wrong, I think equally we should just praise him for, for the performance he put on today. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I might as well just close the pod here because that was pretty much the, 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 the gist of, of the game. Um, I do agree with you. We do have a question on the midfield by You Never Walk Alone Foodie, which we'll get to later on in the pod because it's looking ahead to the Brentford game. Um, I'm going to come to you, Dave. I mean, talk to me about how you feel after that game and you know, if you've got any response to what, um, what Tad has said there. And I think on this podcast as well, I just want a, like a free-flowing kind of conversation between us, us three. So, I, you know, let's just talk about it. But Dave, I'll come to you first on that one. Um, secondly, should I say. Um, uh, sure. What did you make? So I think relief is a good word. Mm-hmm. I think I'm half relieved, but half really frustrated still. I, I think just because we all season we've just seen the same thing. We've seen the same mistakes. We've seen the same patterns of play. We've seen the same kind of sluggishness when we're in possession and going forward. We've seen midfielders. I'm, I'm going to call out Henderson because he's the obvious one. Just fall into sleep, not paying attention to the runner for that opening goal. And it's yeah. happened so many times. And I don't understand this bias. You know, Tad mentioned there about alexander arnold and i think he gets a rough ride i think people have just got it in their heads now that you know he switches off defensively and yes he does but i'd argue not any more than carl walker does or reese james you know they're no more solidly uh defensively solid than than trent is but for some reason henderson gets a pass you know you just see him time and again just switch off and let the runner go and for whatever reason it is, no no one really calls it out. So 
just hugely frustrated with that. And I must admit, in terms of just the feeling, so I'm going to remove any kind of tactical analysis or anything from it, but just how I felt, even in that second half, when we were in possession, I was getting so frustrated with, you know, us being slow with moving the ball around from right to left, you know, and I, I had to keep reminding myself, oh, yeah, we're we're actually in front here because <laughs> it didn't feel like we earned being in front. Just two mm. freakish goals that ended up, you know, I, I think it was the only way we were going to score tonight. So yeah. I, I had to keep reminding myself and then think, okay, so so it is okay to be a bit slower with with moving the ball, but yeah, I just I I don't obviously don't want to write off this season, um, but just there's this nagging little doubt in my mind to say, well, until we really sort out that midfield, we're just not going to get anywhere near the heights we've been spoiled with for the last few years. So yeah, it's great to finish off with three points. Ultimately, you know that's that's all that matters in the end. But you know, just uh, I'm praying, I'm trying desperately not to just become a transfer zombie. You know, a, a transfer speculation zombie and scrolling and refreshing, you know, the gossip pages and whatever. But it's hard not to because someone really needs to come in and help us out in the middle of that park. Absolutely. And you know what, before we get into all that, we do have a caller, so I'm going to bring him on. Uh, John, are you there? Hello, Nina, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And before I let you kick on and say what you need to say, um, I have a really, really bad memory. So um, can you type in your Twitter handle in the Discord chat so I can use it for the tweet? Thank you. Um, but yeah, fire away. Yeah. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Um, good to finish off the year with three points, even though it wasn't that pretty. And I just seen the stats for the game there, actually, on Sky. And we had over 25 shots in a 2.07 XG or gold expectancy. Um, I really I couldn't see it in that game. I don't, you know, it's just one of those games where um, we just done what we had to do. But uh, again, listen, Nunes, we've been watching him now for five months. I'd, I'd <laughs> you know, how long can we say that this guy can't keep missing the, if these goals are going to come? I, you know what, they're going to come, but. He, he just seems to be too hot-headed. I don't know. He, like he blasted one over the bar right in front of goals, and um, he seems to be linking up with Salah better, which is which is good. Um, Henderson just bad game today. Robertson, I, I don't know. Just Robertson's just pumping out Jacqueline Hyde performances now, and uh, I, I think it's just one, it's a position we got to start looking at as left back because I don't think Simiskis is good enough, and Robertson's declining. I, I really do think there's somewhere we got to go left back to, but where does the money come from, I guess? Um, Ox, again, you know, listen, he shouldn't be paying for Liverpool. He, he put in a good performance, or he put in the best performance he could put in. His his, his best performance doesn't does not deserve me of Liverpool. But, hey, we got three points, and uh, that's all we can ask for, I guess. Thanks, guys. 
No, I love it. Everyone's just summarizing how they're feeling. You can tell it's it's like the end of the year. People just getting stuff off their chest. And you know what? Let's talk about this. And guys, let's talk about um how this game kind of started for me because it was like the total polar opposite of what happened against Aston Villa, where Liverpool kind of pretty much started off with intensity and got the early goal. And I was like, oh, Liverpool not behind. This is rare. I could get used to this. But you know what? Um, old habits die hard. And here we were round about four, uh, in and uh, you know Dewsbury Hall um, that guy again I'm pretty sure he scored against us last season as well pretty much scores like uh, a really really easy goal it was almost embarrassing how you know that ball um, you know the way he kind of controlled it through the midfield everyone's backing off backing off backing off he makes he makes a mug of our midfield and I think Hendo was across to him and then makes an absolute show of our defence and it was just really, really sloppy overall from Liverpool. It was almost like switched off. And that was quite frustrating. And that's what got me kind of quite angry. The fact that in those moments, I kind of just want someone to just kind of, you know what, close him down, just put in a challenge, get a yellow card. I don't care. Just do something. Don't just back off, you know. And that's what really got on my nerves. So, you know what, guys, talk to me how you felt about that. Because it, for me, it was at the worst possible start. Well, I've, I've, I've had to um, also watch Spurs games and they always go, go behind. Yes, they do. And it just makes the game so much harder for you. Like unnecessarily yeah. hard. Just yeah. um, as a side coming off of a 3-0 absolute drubbing against Newcastle yeah. who just took the soul out of them. Yeah. The last thing you need to do is concede an early goal to them. Yeah. Just hold out. It's It's... It's really frustrating. And yeah, I think the the big thing, obviously, midfield, um, if ever there's a game that Klopp can point to, to say to the powers that be, I need a midfielder, it's this one. Um, the amount of runners that were just coming through from midfield was just unacceptable, really. Um, and oh, man, hope, hopefully, hopefully someone comes in because I think we've we've seen that either... Um, we don't have the personnel that can do it at the moment, or we don't have a manager that's willing to change the shape to accommodate the players that can't do it. Like you, you got to pick a struggle in that sense. Either you you change the way you play to fit the current players that we do have, or you buy players that can play the way you want to play. And we're kind of mixed in the middle at the moment. And I, I think it's getting to that point where we now need to buy the players that can play the way the manager wants to play. Because sentiment aside, um, the players that are currently there in midfield can't do it at the moment. Um, certainly not the ones that are fit um, and, and are being requested to play in this game. I mean, Thiago had a really good game, but even he doesn't necessarily have the legs to go for a full season. We know we're going to get max 25 games from him in a season. So there are going to be times when you need someone to play that left-hand side as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of issues there, which I guess is more to do with the transfer podcast. But for this game, um, I'm just disappointed that we allowed Leicester to get as much confidence as they did in this game when it was a team that was already beaten before the game started, considering how they they played in their last game. Yeah, that's what really, really pissed me off as well, because I kind of watched the the highlights and um, against Newcastle and I was like, you know what, this is good, you know, this is good. And then to, to concede that kind of goal. And Dave, I'm going to come to you. I mean, what did you make of it? Because 
for me it was just so sloppy it was it was kind of unprofessional some of those guys are like international footballers like Henderson like represented England you know Virgil van Dijk's you know Robertson you know representing Scotland I mean not in the World Cup but you know national player it was just embarrassing I just can't believe that we kind of did that again and conceded an, a, a goal again and I like the fact that Tadeva made that comparison to Spurs we are very much like that like in the sense that Spurs just wake up in the second half but I just don't like us conceding these sloppy goals because any if we were if it wasn't for um, those two um, own goals today, we're talking about a loss. Yeah, and you know, for my whole life, it's never been a good thing to be Spursy. <laughs> you know, it's just course, never yeah. a good thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it almost starts off when the team sheet comes out and you realise Fabinho. You know, he's probably our best player against Villa. You know, yes. he started to look a bit like his old self. And you look and you see kind of Henderson and Elliot together in that midfield. And you're thinking, well, surely we've got enough quality elsewhere. You know, it's our first choice. Pretty much you could argue maybe Konate comes in for Matip. But, you know, it's close to our first choice back five. And then, you know, so so surely we can compensate for a, a weakish midfield. But I thought Leicester did really well. I thought they closed off all the different passing channels, even up to that fourth minute when they scored the first goal. Like you could see they, they seemed to have more players than us. They seemed to press us when we were in possession at the back. And then, yes, you know, we, we couldn't find any space up front as well. It, it was another one of those. I, I, so many teams have done it to us this year. You know, you can't think every team just plays well against us. You know, there's something we're doing as well. And again, I think it is that just lack of intensity. But I haven't had a chance to see the goal like four or five times. I've seen the replay a couple of times and I I can't wrap my head around exactly what happened to the defence. The only thing I can uh, guess is that attackers have taken uh, Matip and Van Dijk away from the centre and like I say, my eye just got drawn to uh, Henderson. It, it, it was him who was you know, it was his runner. And the the most yeah. dangerous person is always the one with the fucking ball. And he had a half-hearted kind of slight kick out, not even a challenge at him, you know, and it was just ridiculous. I, I don't know if you follow, there's a Twitter account called Crap 90s Football. And it, it just, honestly, in my memory, 90s football was a lot better than that. But you, you watch it and it's rubbish. And, and you see goals like that all the time on there. You just don't expect to see it these days. Everyone's so much more tactically aware. Mm. But it was really, really poor. And again, it, it was a team bailing, if you like. But because Henderson is the, the closest one, he's lost his man again. I just have to point the finger at him. And unfortunately, you've you've got about an hour, haven't you, in terms of getting the team sheet and thinking, oh, well, is, are we going to be able to cope with this? You know, Leicester aren't great. So, you know, we, we should be able to be OK. But all your fears in that first five minutes are realised. And, yeah, it just got worse until the goal. I thought we were shocking. You know, yeah. again, all the passing lanes seem to be closed off. And you're thinking, well, you know, that's got to be part down to Leicester, you know, closing them down. But also it's lack of movement on our side. And everyone just seemed to be not doing the simple things well. I would say even Thiago and Trent, who I thought were excellent in the second half, 
even in that first half, I would say the first half of the first half, I thought they were pretty terrible as well. All, all the passes were going astray, and we were just, you know, leaving ourselves vulnerable. You know, because if you can't simply find a red shirt, you know, you're going to be in transition and be caught on the back foot. And that is, there's no other team in the Premier League that's better than Leicester than hitting you on the break. So, yeah, it was just the whole, well, not quite the whole first half. I would say most, 80-90% of that first half was incredibly uh, disappointing. But, yeah, I think the first goal obviously put us on the back foot. But if you're going to concede, you know, do it straight away. And then you've got the whole of the rest of the game to try and get it back. Is your mantra, Dave? And you know what? I might follow Crap Nighties Football on Twitter now. You've you've sold me the um the Twitter account, so I will probably follow that just for laughs. It might look like a copy and paste job of some of the defending this season by Liverpool, but <laughs> yeah, I will I will give it a go. I mean, Tadiba and and uh, Dave, um, whilst we're talking about the midfield, because I do think that, you know, I think Thiago had an awful lot to do, given the fact that, you know, those both of those two other midfielders are not very good in a defensive sense. I mean, even, you know, somebody like Hendo, who apparently likes to play the sixth, um, sorry, doesn't like to play the sixth role, but we've had to make shift and do within this game, um, looked really, really uncomfortable. And I felt like after the game, he had a few ropey passes he, you know, his his touch wasn't great. He was playing loose passes. Um, he was beaten on the ball in in very very dangerous areas where they were quick to transition, and that kind of gave me like a lot of anxiety and things. So I want to get back to you never walk alone foodies question. I know we're kind of jumping the gun here. So there aren't an awful lot of options. We're hoping the Reds strengthen in in the transfer window just for the season in general. But who is going to be your starting midfield then? I mean, what do you do? Do you think him giving um, a Naby Keita little minutes here and there signals that maybe Naby Keita comes into the mix with things? With um, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you guys think. You know, will Fab be back or will he get, get extra time? I know he's um, apparently, I think his missus is in labour or something. So please talk to me. Um, uh, I'll come to you first, Tad. Are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because... um you don't really want Henderson starting three games in a row in quick succession. Two seemed like too much for him in any case. Um, Henderson's best games are usually after he's rested um, for more than, you know, a, a week. So that is a big concern. If if Fabinho can't play, you'd almost imagine Henderson's going to play in this in, in the next game, which then puts up the red flags for injuries. Um, you know, you, you don't wish an injury on any player, but mm-hmm. if he's played, if he's going in, having gone to the World Cup 
Um, there were a few games at the World Cup where he had to play two games in quick succession. Yep. Comes back to Liverpool, now has to play three games in quick succession. And that third game is against a Brentford team who we know have runners in midfield. Yeah. That is a very, very big concern. And it will be interesting to see whether or not they do start him in that game. They might have to, just out of desperation, um, if Fabinho can't go and, and Klopp um, thinks he needs a senior player in there. And we know Klopp's always going to play Henderson um, more than, certainly more than I would like him to play him. Um, so he, he's he's probably a strong shot to play, although I, I wouldn't. Uh, be starting him. I would be looking at bringing in a Naby Keita, especially for Harvey Elliott, or at the very least, um, in an ideal situation, if Fabinho is back and Thiago can go again, that's another concern that Thiago is going to have to play three games in quick succession. But if Thiago can go again, I would be okay with playing sort of a two-man midfield whether it's Cater and Thiago or Fabinho and Thiago, and then put that third person as sort of a 10. But I guess that means putting Salah out wide again, which seems to be something they're not so keen for. He, he's very tucked in now, almost like a, a two-man up front. Yes. So it, it, highlights, <laughs> it highlights how desperate we are for, for a new midfielder to come in that we know um is has quality and has the fitness and um i guess robustness to be able to play games but yeah if fabinho is fit i would like F- fabinho tiago plus cater as a uh, some sort of midfield variation there um but if fabinho can't play he's probably going to have to play henderson i don't see him throwing bat uh, in yeah. In, in a game like this, I think it would be unfair on Basetic. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, you know, the fans will always back a, a young player coming in and, and root for him. But it's going to be such a tough game against Brentford. And what will They're it do very to him well Yeah, what is it going to do to him mentally as well? Do you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And, and we saw against Man City, he still has a ways to go. I mean, obviously, it's great him coming on in, in small spells, getting goals, you know, getting composed performances. But it would be a big ask to ask him to start a game. Um, so yeah, the, the three I'm looking at in midfield are Cater, Fabinho, Thiago, and hoping some sort of variation of them starts in that game. The concern for Henderson is both his form and the potential for injury. Him playing three games in a row is just a recipe for disaster. I get that. I hear that. And Dave, I'm going to come to you because we are so thin in the midfield. And, you know, when I think of Keita and Thiago, I kind of see them as one person um, in a sense that we're going to have to like just shift and rotate between the two because we have two, you know, highly, highly talented players, intelligent players, skillful players. And unfortunately, unfortunately, though, I think injuries get the best of them. And that's where I always have like that conundrum where like I just kind of think that Jurgen Klopp has to manage both of their minutes. And it's quite rare seeing them both on the pitch at the same time uh, for me this season. So I'm intrigued. I mean, you've heard what Tadeva said there. I mean, how would you go about it? I mean, if if Fab is fit, a two-man midfield, I, I quite like the idea of that. I'm still a believer. Uh, and this is more faith-related than anything <laughs> analytical. But that midfield of Fabinho, Thiago and Keita is the best midfield we can put out. Yep. 
And Cater, I, I don't know, we've been trying to manage his minutes for years now, and it's just never really worked. So I think if he's fit now, play him. <laughs> because at some point, he'll break down is, is the form. Now, if, if they've managed to unlock the, the secret to keeping Naby Keita fit, then, you know, brilliant. Okay, I'm, I'm all for managing his minutes. But I think, you know, if he is actually fit, just get him on the pitch. I, I still think that is a top, top midfield. And it's just one of those things, you know, coming into Liverpool, Cater didn't have this injury record. And it's just one of those things. It's just not seemingly worked out. But I think if they are available, then they should be played. I, I think otherwise you're really compromising. It, it's a massive drop-off. I, I mean, Henderson, I, I I think it was, you know, around 2000, sort of between 2018 and 20, I, I was a big fan of Henderson's and I thought he was playing way above himself and I thought he was getting some unfair criticism. Whereas now I just, I, I flung the other way. It's just, he needs to be taken out the firing line and he shouldn't be in that starting 11 and certainly not as regularly as, as he is. And at the minute, I think with him playing so many games on the bounce, I, I don't know. I, I'm wobbling. I thought Bajtic, you know, obviously a great goal that he scored against Villa. Uh, but even tonight, you know, his little cameo, I, I thought he was great. You know, steamed into a tackle. He looked like he had legs. And when he came on, you know, and he's running around the pitch, you suddenly realize, oh, Christ, he makes everyone else look so slow. <laughs> So, again, I, I don't know. I, I think we've been that three-man midfield for so long now. I think when you play around with formations, that's when people get confused about what area of the pitch are they supposed to be covering. So I just hope, you know, if uh, Fabinho's missus is, is in labour, obviously, you know, he's, he's got to go and tend to that. But hopefully he'll be available for the next game. And like I say, if Cato is available, get him on the pitch as well. Yeah, and a little shout-out to... Go on. And I think it's important to always mention with the whole Henderson, because obviously he's getting criticism today, and I, I think it's rightfully deserved. But this has nothing to do with what Henderson has done in the past for Liverpool. Like, yeah. no one can ever take away what Henderson has done in the past for Liverpool. The trophies, the leadership, etc., the way he's played. We're talking about Liverpool today, Liverpool right now. And and that's where we're approaching this thing. And because I always see that as the biggest criticism. Well, you know, well, look at all he's done for Liverpool. No one's taking that away from him. No one can ever take that away from him. We're just talking about the current situation that he's in right now. Um, and, and whether or not he has the legs to, to play at the intensity and the level that we're asking him to play at. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I I would not disagree with you there. Again, this is based on today. Like, I thought he did pretty okay against Aston Villa. I thought he actually had a good game, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? And it, again, it it kind of brings your point, um, at, um, uh, Tad, that when he has a little bit of a break, he seems to perform. So his little breakaway from Liverpool, and obviously England got eliminated a little bit earlier. They didn't play the entire end of the World Cup. Maybe he's had a little bit of a break from football and he's, you know, put in that performance. But I think today it looked like the wheels were were falling off and I think it would be quite disastrous against Brentford. So really, really interested to see what Jurgen Klopp does here now. Um, 
But yeah, whilst we're chatting about these things, and uh, you know, um, uh, John J C Tyrone kind of mentioned um, Chimikas and you know maybe needing a replacement for Robertson. Robertson went off injured. Um, I've not heard, I've not read anything. I've not heard anything. I hope Robbo's okay because again, I thought he he had a wonderful game against um, Aston Villa, and I thought he was really good today as well. Um, in Certainly in the first half, I, I thought if there was anything that was happening from the attack, it was coming from like the left-hand side. There was a lot of space and I found that he was kind of running into things. I felt like he he kind of showed himself to be more sort of attack-minded and, you know, he was kind of linking up well on the left-hand side. Uh, I Have you guys heard anything about Robbo? Is it is it really serious? I've not seen anything. I mean, I thought he, he showed plenty running in the first half, but... And he wasn't on his own, but I thought he was pinging passes astray all over the place. So I, I just don't think he's he's been that sharp. But he's constantly got a new uh, wing partner, hasn't he? He's, he's, yeah. The last few years, he's had Mane in front of him. And they, they were such a potent threat down that left-hand side. You know, they, uh, you know he pings a ball into Mane. He knows it's going to stick and he can get off on a run or, you know, back off and, and give him an option. Whereas, you know, having constant wing partners change, I, I think can only be disruptive. So I, I feel like, you know, even Simicast, we, we were raving about him for the last couple of years. You know, he, he got a few assists himself and, you know, he looks a, a capable understudy to me. Replacing him is not the problem. I, I think... You know, even though we've conceded a lot this season as well, I don't think there's a massive problem in defence that we have to solve. For me, I think the focus is a midfield. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I, when, when obviously John was making the point, of course you want the best to be, you know, you want you want the best option to come off the bench. You know, that is the sign of an elite team. But I'm just looking at that midfield, and you're looking at it and thinking, you know. It, it needs a massive, massive refresh. And to some degree, it kind of pisses me off that our attackers do get injured because as great as it is to, you know, sign a brand new shining attacker, I do feel like, you know, the, the focus has just ever so slightly been taken off the midfield because we have this desperate need to have an attacker now in a, in a Gakpo because Diaz is out injured. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It just pisses me off. I mean, don't get me wrong, when they're all fit, we're going to be stacked in attack and that's going to be great. But there is a desperate, desperate dire need to refresh that midfield. I mean, Tadiva, what do you make of um, um, the, the Chimikas chat and um, also Robbo's injury as well? Um, I, th- I think it's difficult for Chimikas in that we don't rotate our fullbacks sort of each game like other teams do. Um you you come in at very very sporadic times and to have that match fitness is very very different to just being regularly fit so i think that's probably been the downfall for him is i never know when i'm going to play really and then when i do play it's one game in every four or five games um just because of you know robber's availability and you know, when when we look at the midfield and complain about them not being available, at least Robertson is usually available. So credit to him for that. I think with Simicas and with any backup left back, the idea is that that position takes care of itself in that you have Simicas, you sign him for cheap, 
you develop him and uh, you know as an understudy to Robertson there might come a t- point in time where he decides he he needs or wants first team football you let him go uh, for a profit and then you use that money to go and buy another cheap backup left back that you can develop and you just keep that cycle going you never need to then factor in those finances into anything else other than that position and as a backup i think Timakas is fine we can't expect people to be backups at Liverpool and be world-class or really, really good. Those players are starting for other teams. There are other teams in the world. There are other clubs outside of Liverpool. And to expect someone of a of a higher standard than Simicus to come and sit on the bench at Liverpool without any sort of guarantee of when they're ever going to play, I think that's very, very hard to get in football. Um, and personally, I, I think it's a little bit um, unrealistic to expect uh, a higher standard than Simicus to come in, knowing that they're going to sit on the bench behind Robertson. With regards to Robertson and replacing him, for me personally, I've always thought Robertson's biggest asset is his engine and his energy and his running. When that goes, personally, I don't think there's a lot more to his game than that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to wear down the opposition wingers that he comes up against because Robertson's going to go up the pitch and he's going to come back down. And not many wingers are willing to do that for 90 minutes, but you bet your ass Robertson is going up and he's coming back and he's so disciplined in that. And it just wears the opposition down, having to chase him up and down the pitch all game. And it just creates great space for him. And, and he's used that to his benefit and, um, you know, and w- when I say you know he doesn't have much other than his uh, his engine and his energy, this is all relative in terms of you know the 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 world of footballers. Obviously, he's got talent and you know got the most assists of of any defender in England, etc. Et so I'm not saying like you know he can't kick a ball or whatever, but I'm saying all things relative, his biggest asset is his engine, and with age, that's probably the thing that's going to go first other than your technique and stuff like that so when that goes it's probably going to be him falling off of a cliff then him gradually you know declining so we will have to be ready for that eventually but as i said it's difficult to convince someone to come to your club that plays at a higher level than Simicas and tell them I'm not really sure when you're going to get your game time. I mean, we could tell them they're going to get game times every two games, but as we know with Klopp, with the likes of Henderson, with Robertson, these guys are going to play. The Van Dykes, um, the, the Trent Alexander-Arnolds. How do you convince someone to come, you know, be a backup to Trent? The guy is going to play every game that he's available. You know, those type of things. These are the maybe the things that aren't... And I hate using this phrase because sometimes it's a bit too disparaging, but... These are the things that maybe in FIFA or football manager you can do to bring in two world-class fullbacks and sort of rotate them. But in real life, it's very difficult to then convince someone to to come and be a backup to Andy Robertson. Yeah, JC Tyrone goes, um, when you talk about his engine, that his engine's gone. Um, I... I don't know, but I'm still okay with Andy Robertson. Like, for me, he's not a glaring issue personally, John. I understand what you're saying as well, that, you know, keep it fresh, 
keep it now, keep it young, you know, let's not have the same problems. For me, there's bigger glaring issues with the likes of, obviously, we've seen what's happened with Henderson. The fact that we've, you know, we've got players, like, hopefully we can ship them on, you know, like Ox Chamberlain, which you've mentioned, um, you know, the fact that James Milner as well, you know, I want to see what's happening with these kind of players. I think that's where the refresh first needs to happen. I think there's just... That's where I think the Deadwood needs to go, in my opinion. I'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners, whether you agree or disagree, your thoughts on Robbo as well. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on. And I'm going to come to you, um, Dave. I want to talk about the attack because Nunes, again, for me, was absolutely wild. And even in the first half, you know, um, he almost tried to recreate the, the bad Setic goal. And obviously Salah was on the end of it. And I think that was, um, in the first half. But he was just constantly trying to do something. He was lively. He was in all the right positions. So talk to me about the attack. What did you make of the attack? Of course, Ox was playing out on the left, which is rare, unique and unusual. And it probably wasn't wasn't to um, his best, shall we say. But what did you make of the attack? Yeah, so I thought... Ox played surprisingly well against Villa. I, I've not yeah. seen him play like that for about four years, I don't think. I, you know, I, I thought in that 2018 season, he was amazing before he had his, his big injury. Um, and he's just never come back the same since. And generally, he's looked he's looked sometimes like a player who's won a competition and just come on and, and just look completely out of his depth. I, I didn't think he did... He, he had a very ox-like game. I felt like today just didn't really do a great deal, gave away the ball quite a lot, didn't particularly create anything going forward. Nunes is such a divisive player. And I saw there was a comment uh, in the chat earlier about, you know, come on, he's, he's uh, cost all this money. He should be finishing these chances. I tell you what, for me, I, oh no, I won't show my hand because uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. But... He was the best player on the pitch for us, at, without a shadow of a doubt, in that first half. In the second half, I think there were a few better performances there. But, you know, we, I don't think we had a single shot on target. If you don't consider that one where Nunes hit the post and the guy, you know, does us a favour and smashes it in, brilliant. Um you know, if you don't count that as being on target, we didn't have a shot on target that whole game. It's just. I remember crazy. their keeper making a save as well. I don't remember Ward making a save as well. Like. No, and we know he's not great. We know he's all right, but he's not like a, a top Premiership keeper, is he? So, you know, it's criminal, really. We didn't make him work harder. He used to but, play for us. My word, the, my word, where were we at? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I used to play at a, a low level uh, in defence, and I look at the game and I just think he would be a fucking nightmare to play against because his engine just, you know, we were talking about Robbo's engine before, and Nunes just keeps going and going, and he takes the the central defenders away into positions they don't want to go. Um, yes, I would love to see him put away some of those chances or, or you know what, even make the keeper work at times, you know, he just seems erratic with his finishing, but I tell you what, he doesn't half create chaos for everyone else. And so, you know, I thought he was our best player tonight and yes, I want him to put those chances away, but I think that'll come. I think it'll take a couple of seasons maybe, but we've seen this with, with many players before. There's not many who hit the ground like Torres 
you know, first game, scores against Chelsea, never looks back. He, he was clinical finisher right from the start. But people like Crouch, you know, even Suarez, he, he didn't have a great, you know, clinical finishing start for us. And, and I just think he does need to calm down a little bit. You know, he's so quick on the pitch. He almost needs to slow his brain down a little bit. And that's what, you know, if I, I pick someone else random, <clears throat> someone like Bergkamp, you know, someone who, who looks like he's got half an hour on the ball and, uh, you know, can see everything happening on the pitch in slow motion with a bit of experience. And, and I think with Nunes really believing that he deserves to be on that pitch, I think will come with time. Um, but for the moment, I'm kind of OK with him just being that master of chaos and just, you know, creating those chances for other people. But I just I just feel like we're going to have to put up with him for probably another season, maybe a season and a half, just being a bit erratic with his finishing. But it'll come. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Absolutely. I also love the fact that in the second half as well, he was, you know, he flipping took on um, Fades, which we will get to his goals. But in the second half, he took him on turned the defence inside out, looked up, waited for Salah to get in, kind of played a bit of a dodgy pass to Salah, kind of comes back to Salah and Salah takes a shot. But you see great movement between them. There's also um, a one-two between them. And Lubo, our fact checker on the podcast, that's why he's on the, sh- on the live Discord, says Hendo had the only shot on target in the first half. Cheers, Lubo. This is the insight that we miss and this is why you are so important to me and the Nina Kauser show. So thank you. Look at me going up in the world. I have an official fact checker. Tadeva, I'm going to come to you. What did you make of the attack? And, you know, just the whole um, overall um, front three and, um, you know, Darwin Nunes just being an absolute handful. Absolute handful. Um, yeah, it, it was okay. They created more than enough chances to have scored themselves. Um, I'm not concerned with Darwin missing chances at all. Like I, I have no concerns whatsoever with him missing chances. And maybe it's because that's, that's where, that's my bread and butter. Strikers is my bread and butter of any position in, on, on the pitch. He's getting into really good positions. The finishing will come. We've seen in the past, he's got finishing in him. It's just, it's not clicking at the moment. And watch, there will be games this season where he'll go and score, you know, seven goals in four games or something. And there'll be games where he'll go three games, four games without scoring. That's the nature of the beast with young strikers. Um, The important thing is that they're getting into those goal-scoring opportunities. And 
you can see the evolution has already started with him because go look at him at the beginning of the season. He came obviously from Benfica where there was a lot more responsibility for him um, in attack. You're the one that has to get us the goals. And he kind of brought that with him when he came to Liverpool at the beginning. You could see as soon as he gets the ball, his head is down, he's driving, he's trying to get a shot off. That's all he did. Ball comes to me, head down, drive, try and get a shot off. And you'd have guys like Mo Salah sprinting right next to him. Um, and maybe, you know, to his credit, he wasn't used to people being as fast as Mo Salah, being able to keep up with him once he starts sprinting. Um, but Salah would be wide open in space and Darwin would just take the shot anyway because that's that's kind of what he got used to. And nowadays, he's starting to look for Salah. Before he decides to run with the ball, he takes a look up to see where is Salah. That's his first move the moment he gets the ball. Is look up, assess where is Salah, where is everyone on the pitch. That's a huge step for him um, in terms of his development. So it is happening and it, it is going to continue to get uh, better and better. We just need to be patient with it. Um, as I said at the beginning, the important thing is that we just don't, um, we don't lose out on three points whilst he's going through the de- development phase. And then also one thing I will say with Nunes is the expectation he came with when when we signed him, more so maybe because of the price tag that was involved and also because City are bringing in Darwin Nunes. I mean, City are bringing in Erling Haaland and there's the obviously the lazy comparisons that come with that. Yeah. Is Darwin is being expected to be a finished product like an Erling Haaland. And he's really not. He's very, very raw. And the thing with Darwin is that's the type of forward that Klopp signs. Look at Mane before he came to Liverpool. Very, very raw. Mane would disappear from like December to March in, you know, in seasons at Southampton. Salah, when he came to us, very, very raw. Um, who else has come in? Firmino, we had to change his position. Yep. Diego Corrigi, raw, young, young talent. Um, Diogo Jota, raw talent that was playing out wide, probably played as a forward growing up. Um, uh, Luis Diaz, same thing. This is the type of profile that Klopp likes to work with, the raw talent that he can mold and develop. And we've seen that throughout Klopp's entire career. Go to his Mainz teams, go to his Dortmund teams, and then go to his Liverpool teams now. It's the raw talents that he likes to work with. So I think if people watched Darwin's games with that perspective, that it's a raw talent that needs time to develop, he's going to get better, he's going through the evolution, you can see he's starting to pick some of those things up. Maybe they won't be as stressed about it. Um, But also, as I said, obviously, because we're Liverpool fans, we want to win games, we want to see our strikers score. We want them to do it right now as well. Um, there is a lot of pressure on him. But credit to the crowd um, at Anfield, because Jody mentioned it when both when Salah missed a chance and when Darwin Nunes missed a chance, is that both missed really good chances and straight away the crowd started cheering their names and chanting their songs. And she's like, that, that wouldn't happen at Spurs. They would be complaining and booing and you know for, for you missing the chance. So as long as the crowd continues to do that, 
where if the Twitterverse wants to, you know, um, lambast him and laugh at him and, and do clips and stuff like that, as long as the Liverpool crowd, any chance that they get, just continue to encourage them because it's going to lift them up. It's going to continue to allow them to continue to go again and again. It, it will click. It will click with Darwin News. I'm, I'm not worried with him at all. With Salah, it's interesting that he's um, coming more infield. Um, which I think is good for him. I thought that was always the plan for him, similar to Ronaldo, where he started to, the older he got, the more central he became. Um, that was the impression that I got with Salah um, in terms of his projection over his career, was he's going to become more central the older he gets. Um, and then on the left-hand side, Ox, another player who probably, it's a game too much to be playing two games in quick succession having not played a lot of football as well, but I thought he did okay. He He's not the reason we could have potentially lost that game, I don't think, which which, which is fine. He he was fine. So yeah, the attack was okay. Um, it will improve. They will become more clinical, but at least they're creating the chances, which I think for me is, the, is always the biggest concern, whether or not they're creating chances. Absolutely. And Tadeev, I'm going to stick with you because let's go there. Let's go there. Right. Um, 38 minutes, um, uh, the own goal, the first one, uh, Faye's own goal. I mean, talk to me about that one because it was kind of hilarious and it was a mix-up of the goalkeeper and defence because Sky kind of did the replay and Ward actually screamed keeper and obviously he didn't hear it and went for it and I just found it absolutely hilarious. It was so unlucky, but I just, you know, like looking back at that game that we didn't deserve to be two up at half time, but obviously happily I'll take it as a Liverpool supporter. But I mean, what did you make of that? I mean, did you just laugh because I just found it hilarious? I can't lie. Because literally I was just shocked. I was like, well, we, you know, thank God we've got a goal because it just didn't feel like it was coming for us. We needed that. We needed that because we needed to go into half time 1 1, I thought. Um, so it was very oh, fortunate. Yes, mentioning as well, Salami's um, uh, goal got flagged for offside as well. I mean, and that was probably the only chance where we looked quite clinical. But before that, we just looked really blunt. Yeah, definitely. And I, it, it is interesting that Leicester continued that quirk of, um, <laughs> in their games, only one team scores. Um, mm. I think it's nine games. I think of, of the tw- their past 12 games, there's only been one game where two, both teams in the fixture have scored. Um, so even though we won the game, Leicester have continued that trend of only one team scores in Leicester games. But what are the odds of him not only lobbing the keeper with, with his clearance, but then it dropping right before? Like that could have easily hit the post. It could have gone anyway. But yeah, very, very fortunate for Liverpool. I, I got irritated with the commentary. Um, I was watching on Sky and yeah. they didn't they didn't point out the fact that the keeper shouted. I think Jamie Carragher wasn't sure. He asked, you know, did, did the keeper call? It was so loud. It it was so loud. He said, mine, like he called for that ball. And I guess maybe, you know, the defender didn't hear it or as the defender, you just like, I'll clear the ball and then we can discuss whether or not you shouted afterwards. Um, But yeah, it, it was very fortunate for us and it came at a really good time where we need we were desperate to get a goal and and going to halftime sort of level otherwise i think it could have been a tough slog uh in the second half yeah absolutely and dave what did you make of that because it was nice to see some really really bad defending and the mix-up and your team was involved in it if anything your team benefited from it (laughs) 
nice. It was great, wasn't it? I mean, I, yeah. I can't remember a time like that where we've happened that where we've had the same calamity at the back. It's it's normally us, isn't it? You know, especially in the last few years, if we've conceded a goal. Remember that when we used to not concede many goals, you know, it would be something freakish that's led to that. But to get two gifts like that, I, I just thought the first one was pure comedy because there was just nothing really on. I mean, it, it's something you see a hundred times, you know, in, in a few games, Trent cuts on a, on the inside, you know, whips it in with his left. But you're, you're just expecting the, the defender to boot it away. And he couldn't, you know, if he attempts to strike that ball a thousand times, I reckon one time it goes exactly where it went. Uh, the rest of the time he makes a far better connection, but it just perfectly lobbed the keeper. And I thought, yeah. uh, you know, like I say, I think Leicester will feel a little bit unlucky tonight because they should do, because the the two goals that they conceded, and I thought they did play quite well. But, uh, you know, I think Rodgers could have stuck him up front, shouldn't they? You know, he obviously had the goal-scoring touch tonight, old face or however you pronounce it. But, yeah, I, I was just delighted. But I I thought at that moment, right, that is a gift. Now we should kick on and uh, take the game by the scruff of its neck. Never really happened. Uh, I don't think I, I thought we played better in the second half, but for the remainder of the first half, I, I thought we were still quite sluggish. So I thought, well, you know, we're going to have to make a second goal happen. Uh, I was quite glad to be wrong about that. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I, again, just watching, having a memory of like the replay of that own goal, I just loved watching him look over and watch the ball go into his own net. Like it was, I felt bad for the guy because actually he's been one of their better defenders this season and which is quite funny. Um, if you just watch this game in isolation, but he's been like the guy that's been quietly just been getting on with it for Leicester when they bought him in, in the, in the transfer window right guys and Dave I'm going to stick with you because when it rains it pours and uh you know second on goal I mean just Darwin Nunes uh just you know was an absolute menace for that one in my opinion absolute menace I mean what did you make of that one you know hits the post and um uh, fears um you know didn't really have a choice there didn't really have an option he had to stick his boot out but unfortunate for him it goes into the back of the net again he had an absolute nightmare at Anfield (laughs) I don't know how he does it I you know I guess the ball came back to him but he's got to anticipate that he's a Premier League player and either the ball is gonna nestle in the back of the net or it's going to bounce back at you. So he's got to anticipate that. And I just think there are not many players who would make that same mistake. So I was delighted that he did. When I saw it bounce back off the post, I was gutted for two reasons. I really, really wanted Nunes to score. Mm-hmm. And I thought he, had, he did everything right. He just got his angles slightly wrong. You know, but if that had gone in, that had been a great goal. It was a great run. Again, if he gets that yard, he, he runs so quickly with the ball, the, the defender's not catching him. Um, I, I was just gutted about that. But the second reason was I had a, an accumulator where I needed him to hit a couple of shots on target. Okay. <laughs> so up until that point, when it hits the post, it doesn't count. So I was like, oh, bloody hell. But um, 
Yeah, I, I thought he did everything right. I don't know. He probably doesn't even get credited with an assist for that, I wouldn't have thought. But in my head canon, I'm definitely considering that as an assist. So again, you know, his stats are still pretty good for me. But yeah, I'd have to see the replay a few more times to figure out, okay, did was it just one of those things when it's just unlucky by the defender? You know, you see Carragher, he scored more than his fair share of own goals in his time. You know, you sort of look at it and you think, oh, well, there's, there's not a lot. He has to go for the ball and it's just unlucky. But no, with this one, I, I just thought he didn't anticipate it. And I just thought it was it was almost, well, no, it wasn't almost comical. It was comical. And, you know, if it was Ivan Tony putting that one in the back, I'd be checking his betting records. Um, but, yeah, I was just delighted. And, and again, it, it just, it was strange because we suddenly found ourselves 2-1 up. And we'd played horribly. <laughs> you know, we're at home. Of course, we're going to, you know, hit balls into the box. And the quality of players we've got, you're going to hit some decent balls in. But, um, yeah, I felt really lucky and happy. And, again, I'm just thinking, okay, let's let's push on from here. Because I didn't feel like at the time 2-1 was going to be enough. I hear you. And, Tad, I'm going to come to you. Um, because... Being you know, being level in that game seemed like we were kind of, you know, a little bit lucky there. But to go two one up, so you know, talk to me about that own goal. I mean, you've heard what Dave said there. You know, what, what did you feel about um, his positional awareness, the defenders, and Nunes was just fire again. This is why he's in those moments. He's in those positions. That's the kind of things that he kind of creates. He creates panic in defense to the point where the score falls. Yeah, he he really does, and. I thought, obviously, great um, first-time ball because I think it's at that point where Leicester's defence were pushing up. Um, they had the ball, they're, they're driving forward, and we quickly win the ball back, and all of a sudden they get turned around quite quickly, and that's probably when Darwin's at his most dangerous, when there's space for him to get a ball and, and just drive. Um, I I half thought he was just going to knock the ball around the keeper, um, maybe if he if he knew more about uh, Ward and how slow he is, next time he probably does just knock it around him and just run around him instead of trying to flick it over him because Ward did stay up um, for a long time. I thought he was going to go down. He did stay up, which you'd imagine would have indicated to Darwin, okay, I need to take this around him instead of trying to chip it. But yeah, credit to him for getting the chip. I mean, it, it was so close. It's inches, right? Um, whether or not it goes in or hits the post. So he did well there. And then for the defender, it's oh, it's just unfortunate, really. Um, he must have just wanted the ground to, to just swallow him at that point in time to get a second own goal. Um, and the ball ricochets off the post. I don't think there's too much that he can do about it. Um, up. I remember I used to always complain about um, defenders and people scoring own goals until I scored an own goal in a tournament that knocked us out. Uh, and, and there was literally nothing I could do about it. The ball just landed at my feet unexpectedly and, and it went in. So I have a lot more sympathy for people that score own goals after that situation. So, yeah, I don't think the defender can do too much. It just ricochets and, and he's not expecting it to get to him that quickly. But for Darwin, again, it's the agent of chaos. He's causing mayhem for the for, for the other team really quick. Um, Good chip. 
I would have thought he would have gone around Ward, uh, considering he stayed up. But otherwise, you know, we we end up getting a goal, um, which was the important thing, and it's from something that he was involved in. And from a coaching perspective, they're going to take the positives from that to say, you know, they're probably going to say to Darwin, "That's your goal." Obviously, it won't count on on you know in the records and on on, on fantasy to my chagrin because Darwin's in my fantasy team, but. Um, to sort of get the mental side of things, they're going to say, this is what you did well. You know, your run was really good. You chipped the keeper. Okay, you were a couple of inches short, but maybe in this situation you did this or that or or whatever. But because you made the run, made the chip, the ball ended up going in the back of the net. Similar to the Aston Villa uh, Basicic goal. Because Darwin sprinted, because, you know, it's late in the game, because you sprinted, you kept it in play and you played it back, that's how we're able to get that goal. So these are the kind of conversations that they're probably having with him at the moment just to keep his spirits up until he does inevitably get the goals. No, I like it. I'm here for it. Right, guys, let's quickly move on to the second half. And Tadeev, I'm going to stick with you because, I mean, that was pretty much it for if that goal happened around about 45 minutes. So, you know, um, Liverpool go in with their noses in front. Talk to me about the second half because um, for me, I felt like we started off really bright in the second half. I obviously took a lot of confidence from them scoring goals, um, uh, their defender scoring two on goals. But, you know, I felt like we were more potent in attack. I felt like we were linking up better. Maybe some of the passing was better as well. What did you make of our start? I think Hendo had a shot just wide as well, around about 50 minutes. A lot was happening. A lot was going on, in my opinion. Yeah, it it, it almost was like Klopp asked them to play a little bit quicker, um, be, be a bit more sharper. Uh, so they did look lively. Frustrating that they didn't get, you know, the result of, of the hard work that they they showed at the beginning of that half and, and get a goal um, sort of to kind of galvanize a team and, and continue to to dominate the game, you know, in a way that we expected Liverpool to dominate that game. But I guess the, the thing for me, it's frustration and, and, and um, I suppose approval in the sense that at least they're doing the right things. The only concern for me, though, is we're doing this kind of stuff. You know, the 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 start to this half, we had patches against Villa. These are only short periods of time in games, and then sort of the wheels fall off at some point in time. And I'm wondering why there isn't a moment in time when either the coaches on the sideline or the players on the pitch say, okay, we know this is the game plan, but we need to slow things down. And I'm still yet to see that in any of the games that we've played where there's situations where this end-to-end basketball-type football that we're playing, we're going to get burnt by it at some point in time. Um, Yes, we've gotten two good results, you know, um, three points against Villa, three points now against Leicester, playing the style of football, but we don't have the legs to play the style of football. And we've seen what the chances that the other teams have had um, or the half chances in some situations that they've had, it's going to burn us. I'm waiting for the moment where we control a game, we slow things down. We don't need to be playing this end-to-end stuff, especially when we're leading games. That's probably the biggest concern for me. But yeah, the, the beginning of the second half was prom- um, promising, which I guess is the theme of Liverpool at the moment. It's promising. 
um, but we need to get that end product. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. We do. We absolutely do. And the fact that, not, you know, with, through all that attack, Dave, that we didn't actually get any of our players scoring as well. You know, Salah found himself in good chances. I thought Nunes did as well. You know, there was a lot going on. Um, what did you make of our second half performance? I thought we showed uh, a lot better uh, passion, desire, all those cliches, but just better control of the game. I thought we moved around the ball a lot better. And whereas in the first half, I thought Darwin Nunes was far and away our best player, I thought the second half, uh, Thiago really came into his own. The way he moves the ball, just the movement, the way he tricks players who thinks, you know, he's going to go one way, then he goes the other, and then draws the foul as well. You know, I lost count of the amount of times he did that in the second half. I also thought Trent was excellent in the second half. And, you know, I really rate some of those Leicester players, uh, I think, are, are really good and they'll go on to better things. I thought Harvey Barnes had a good game. And there were a few times when he could have quite easily, against a Leicester defender, he could have gone past Trent quite easily. But I thought Trent stood up to him really well. And I honestly thought Trent was our best defender. I, I thought he he was excellent. They were, tr- again, trying to target that side but he seemed to stand up to everything in the second half. And I also felt like he, he used the ball a lot better. I do feel like, you know, they, they'd watched a bit of the Aston Villa game. I mean, it's something we've done for years, but against Villa, you saw, you know, that cross field pass working quite a lot and they seemed to close that off uh, as an option uh, for us in the second half. But yeah, I just felt without looking... Like we had, we didn't feel like there was a goal coming, but we did have really good chances. Um, They just seemed to be kind of a little bit of a break. Again, it was mostly between Nunes and and Salah. On a different day, you'd have thought they could have put some of those away. I thought um, there was one where Nunes blasted over, where I thought it was easier to keep it down and at least make the keeper work. And then um, Mo, his finishing was way off today. Uh, and I blame myself for having a bet on him to score. So, <laughs> you know, we could have won by a couple more tonight. You know, had we uh, actually put some of those chances away. But I think I mentioned at the top of the show, 
I was getting a little bit frustrated. So I guess that's kind of counter to what Tad was saying. I, I was mentally thinking, oh, we should be moving this a lot quicker. We should be getting the ball upfield quicker, pressing, you know, really sticking it to them. But, you know, playing that slower game and when I reminded myself that we were 2-1 up, I, I thought, well, okay, maybe this is a little bit of game management. I'm not sure. I think it's somewhere in between. I, I, I'm not sure where the type of team that can just hold on to a one-goal lead. But, uh, you know, in the end it worked. But, I mean, Leicester, again, they, they did test us a couple of times. There was an yeah, it was a bit basketball. On, yeah, there was. And it, it was actually basketball from the get-go. You know, they hit us on the counter a few times. And you yeah. kind of highlighted Trent's defending there as well. But, yeah, at the end, I was thinking, oh, my God, 10 minutes to go. Oh, God, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit because, yeah, they didn't stop till the end. Yeah, and I, again, I don't feel like... I I don't feel like that was because Leicester played a great game. Uh, they just... When they got the ball, they moved forward with real purpose. You know, they, they hit the runners. As soon as they got it, they, that first seven seconds when you're in transition is the most important because that's when, you know, the team is caught or can be caught out of position a little bit. And I just felt like, especially when you got Vardy, he's so mobile at, at, at up top, isn't he? And I, I felt like he, I think he was the one who was offside when he sort of squared it to uh, Harvey Barnes and he ends up hitting the bar, but he was offside anyway. But um, it, it just seemed to be one or two passes that were catching us out. And, you know, I, I don't really feel like we should let ourselves be exposed to that because like I say when we had the ball we weren't particularly moving it forward with any sort of urgency it was more that kind of labored build up that we've seen all season um but you know like I say I don't want to be too down on the team because ultimately we did grind it out and I think by the end it, okay it was two freakish goals but I think if you look at the possession you look at the big chances I can convince myself that we did actually deserve it <laughs> I like it. I like the convincing. And Tadeeva, I'm going to come to you because, um, you know, did you uh, at any point feel secure? And also your thoughts on Trent Alexander-Arnold? Because I think you touched on the fact that you were really impressed with his defensive work today. So now's a chance to kind of talk about that, certainly in the second half, when it, when they, when Leicester did try counter-attacking us a few times and also just his positional awareness. And, um, of course, um, the 2-1 um, lead is never, never a secure one. Oh, I was nervous the entire time um, because I think of the thing I mentioned earlier where this basketball style football, you'll win some and you will draw some and lose some. You you take that, you know, you take the good with the bad with that style of football. There are going to be times where it's going to burn you. So I was worried this was going to be one of those games. Um, so I, I definitely would have liked a bit more control just to ease my own um nervousness in terms of trent yeah look we have to praise him in this game um every time harvey barnes came at him he seemed to have an answer and from an offensive side of things he had you know some good uh crosses some good balls um maybe not his absolute best trent going forward but it was certainly one of the better performances of Trent going, you know, the other way uh, from a defensive standpoint. And even, you know, the chances where 
maybe Leicester were getting in. He was sticking a leg in there. He was, uh, I thought he was absolutely switched on defensively and it was really good to see. It's just a shame that the commentators aren't as vocal and aggressive when it comes to him doing good defensive performances than when he doesn't do good uh, defensive performances. Yeah, there's definitely a bias in the narrative there as well. I, I will agree with you on that one. Guys, um, anything you want to kind of talk about? Because um, uh, obviously there is not an awful lot actually happened in the second half. Obviously the Robbo injury and um, Chimikas came on, Keita came on for Ox. We've kind of talked about all that. Is there anything you feel like needs highlighting from this game that we've not discussed? Um, Dave, I'll, um, I'll come to you first. Again, just overriding. I, I think when we started this pod, the overriding emotion was relief and also frustration. Uh, this cathartic pod did its job again. So actually now I'm just awash with uh, pleasure that we've got three points uh, to finish off this year. I still think, you know, it is Groundhog Day. I, I don't honestly look forward to games now. I was quite happy that the World Cup was a distraction for a while. Um, I just really want that midfield problem to be solved pretty soon but uh hopefully you know if fab comes back if cater can actually put a few games together you know one game a week that's all i'd like you know but for the last few years i i've always had my hopes that he can do that and he's kind of been unlucky with some injuries but yeah i think um you know we shouldn't be too down as well because i think leicester did play quite well i think they've got some really really tidy players in their side and uh, I, I think we could do with a couple of their midfielders, to be honest. They, they'd improve us. But, yeah, just happy. Um, uh, hopefully the Elliot injury wasn't too bad. It looked a little bit nasty. It was his standing leg uh, that the guy caught as well. So hopefully that's not anything. But, again, Elliot's a funny one. I, I think we really have to start thinking, OK, where does he play for us? Because I don't think... It, unless someone needs to work with him on his defensive side of the game, I think if, if he's going to be a midfielder, um, but then he, he doesn't really have the pace to be in that front three as well. So that's going to be an interesting conundrum to, to solve in the next two or three years. But yeah, no, just happy at the result. Indeed. And it's also worth noting as well that we are two points off the top. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, Aston Villa can do something against Spurs and it would cause massive unrest into Diva's house. And, um, you know, if Wolves could do something against Man United, that'd be great because we're within two points. Um, to Diva, I'm going to come to you. Any takeaways, any final thoughts on the game? And uh, yeah, the floor's yours. I guess my biggest takeaway is that Nina wants me sleeping on the couch in 2023. I do. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, um, yeah, we got the three points, which is important. Hopefully everyone um, came out of that game uh, fit, no serious injuries or or injuries in any sense. And that, you know, we get players back that need to come back and that Gakpo is, um, you know, the signing we're hoping that he is going to be and that we sign a, a midfielder that won um, – improves our midfield and two Klopp would actually play and start because we've signed midfielders in the past and Klopp has still played the same players way too much in my opinion so hopefully uh, it's a midfielder that comes in that matches both those things and then the last thing is 
the attack looked promising. It's going to come. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Right, guys, before I let you go, man of the match. Tadiva, I'll stick with you. Who's your man of the match and why? Oof. Um, man of the match, it, w- it was between Tiago and Darwin for me. I'm going to give it to Tiago because I thought he looked composed at times uh, and I thought he put in a real big shift defensively where um, in situations where he stopped threats that we then don't have to speak about in podcasts like this. Um, but if he doesn't stick his foot in there or, or slide in or something like that, it's going to become a talking point. And usually Allison is the one that does stuff like that, where he'll make a save or he'll, um, I know, for example, there was a chance where Vardy um, was in on goal and Allison sprinted out towards the edge of the box and sort of um, dove onto the ball and collected it and everything's calm and cool and collected. Many keepers don't run out for that ball. And it becomes a very, very sticky situation. And probably you can see it from something like that. But again, because Alisson does that, we end up not being able to speak about it. So credit to him for that. But yeah, I thought Thiago really put his foot in from a defensive perspective in this game uh, quite well. And considering the midfield he had to play with today, I thought he had to put in that sort of defensive performance. And I'm glad he did. I like it. Thiago is a great shout. And he pretty much... um carried carried the midfield okay nfi that is saying phase was man of the match you cowards i'll take that i'll take that i I was kind of hoping he'd score a hat-trick you know i wanted to see if he got the ball can't lie i tweeted it as well and um dave i'm gonna come to you who's your man of the match and why you know i did love it the way the crowd was shouting shoot every time the ball went near him You, you could just see it, you know, a, a corner gets swung in. If if he'd headed that in, it would have been the perfect hat trick, wouldn't it? Left foot, right foot, and a header. But um, yeah, he's deserving of a shout in there, definitely. I think in that second half, um, I thought Trent was excellent. I thought Thiago definitely carried that midfield. Not not only with his defensive work, his use of the ball, but his ability to draw those fouls as well. To be just that bit quicker than the opposition and so they they end up having to foul him and I know you know the the Leicester fans seem to get a bit frustrated felt hard done by but he he genuinely was fouled sort of reminded me of uh, Didi Hamani he used to be brilliant at drawing fouls but um, yeah I thought second half he, he was excellent but I do feel like most of the people were were pretty poor in that first half and so again Maybe a bit controversial, but I'm going to hand it to Darwin Nunes. I think without Nunes on that pitch tonight, we don't win. Even that first goal, I put that down to just part of the chaos that Nunes creates around him. He just creates that uncertainty, that that doubt about what the fuck is he going to do? You know, and I'm sure some of our players are probably thinking that as well. So, yeah, I think without him, we don't win tonight. And probably, uh, you know, I could argue that, you know, if if the rest of the midfield had actually stepped up, it would have been a different case for Thiago. But so for me, I think it's going to go to Nunes, even though I think really he should have had at least one goal tonight. But uh, for everything else that he did, that's my pick. Love that. Both of those are great shouts. I'd even throw Trent in there as well. I thought, you know, he's he's proving the hate is wrong. 
Right, so between Darwin and Thiago, guys, let us know your thoughts. Who's your man of the match? I am going to give it to Thiago because he literally was the midfield. And I think that is really, really hard. And, you know, if he wasn't putting in that kind of shift, I think it would have been worse for Liverpool. Um, it's a good job we kind of stepped up. But for me, is he is my man of the match. Um, uh, JC Tyrone there um, is going with Darwin Nunes. So, guys, let us know your thoughts. We have come to the end of this podcast and we have come to the end of the year. Um, hopefully the next one brings plenty of goodness for all of you and some great results. Thank you so much for listening. Um, take care of yourselves and a massive shout out to both Dave and Tadiva. But before I let them go, I'll let them do some quick plugs. Tadiva, where can people find you on social media and what would you like to plug? Um, social media, I'm at Tad Predicts on Twitter. And then if you guys could also follow a Tad Predictable, uh, the podcast that I host, we do, um, scoreline predictions and previews of all of the game weeks, um, for Premier League games, uh, throughout the season, which is really, really fun. We get fun guests. Um, you mentioned, I know, or either you mentioned or I was thinking about, um, you know, when we're speaking about the lineup for Brentford, um and in in my head i was thinking gakbo and whether or not his paperwork gets done in time well if if liverpool want the paperwork done in time one of our guests does do um paperwork immigration paperwork for football players and and their agents and stuff so i thought that was quite funny um Khaled, he's he's on regularly and he he's a, he's a good laugh so maybe i'll bring him on next week to to sort out the the Gakpo um, stuff although he is an Arsenal fan so I don't know if he will sort it out in time I like it well we'll, I'm sure people will be absolutely glued to that and how it kind of unfolds I've not heard anything as well I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will give us details in in the press conference ahead of Brentford I'm sure lots of journalists will be asking him the very same question and Dave I'm going to come to you where can people find you on social media and um what would you like to plug? So you can get me at Seattle Dojos on either Twitter or Mastodon. I'm still kind of figuring Mastodon out, but um, Twitter's been a bit interesting recently, hasn't it? So uh, I'm thinking I'll probably migrate over there. Um, hopefully I'll appear on here again, the post-match shows uh, again before the end of the season. Um, otherwise, you can find me on the VHS Strikes Back podcast, uh, where we review kind of mostly 80s and 90s movies. And uh, next up next week is Cobra, with Slice the Lone back, going back to 86. So tremendous amount of fun I have with that. <laughs> love it you really do um uh, review like really really quirky films so i urge everyone to go and check dave's podcast out and give him a follow and give Tadiva a follow as well and the tad predictable podcast as well do give it a listen it's awesome exclusively on the epl index um site um guys thank you so much for listening um i will be back for brentford oh my god i've had five weeks off and now it's all systems go i am tired i know i know guys thank you so much for listening thank you to everyone that joined us live um thank you for making this show everything that it was this year and um take care and i will be back post brentford till next time up the reds we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. 
and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.